Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Well, it's good to be back with you, Richard. Oh, well, thanks. On your very own podcast. <laughs> My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And uh, today we are doing uh, one of the most uh, fun segments on the podcast, and I think the one that we probably get the most comments on, and that is the uh, leadership biographies. Yeah. We have gone through quite a few now. And Two of my favorite things, leadership and leadership biographies. Leadership and biographies. Yeah, who in. knew? You're such an exciting person. <laughs> uh, so who are we looking at today, Richard? Well, I thought we'd circle around to Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, yes. And uh, the 26th U.S. president. Um, and uh, it's based on particularly on a biography by H.W. Brands. Uh, Brands is one of those uh, handful of historians that just do a really good job on biographies, uh, you know, thorough, uh, hundreds and hundreds of pages, and uh, but well written. He, he and people like McCullough and a couple of guys like that are just always good, you know. And uh, so this is a it's a great biography as well. And uh, Roosevelt's one of the most popular presidents uh, and dynamic leaders, and so it might be a good one to to look at today. Great. Well, I'm excited to, to dive in. And so if you listen to any of these leadership profile podcasts, uh, we always dive into the early life of the leader. And uh, there's inevitably something that they had to overcome, maybe many some things they had to overcome to become the leader uh, that they eventually uh, turn out to be. So can you maybe show, share with us what some of the issues were that uh, Theodore had to overcome? Yeah, well, I think most famously, as a child, he had severe asthma, hmm. and at times couldn't even, uh, his dad would have to even just carry him around because he was having trouble breathing, and so he was quite frail, uh, very slight frame. Uh, he was, he, um, interestingly, uh, when he was about 11, his his dad was, uh, I mean, he admired his father more than anybody in his life, and so... He, uh, his dad was uh, an influential businessman in uh, New York City and uh, was adored by Theodore and uh, gave, gave some significant attention to his son. You know, at times he'd be carrying him around. Some people have even speculated that it, it almost as if uh, it was a codependent thing in a sense of Theodore knew that if he had an asthmatic attack, he'd get carried around by his dad and get to spend yeah. time with him. And so... But about, but about age 11, he was uh, on a tour with his dad in Europe and was actually walking with him in the Alps and realized that at 11, if he really worked at it, he could pretty well keep a pace with his father. And hmm. and, it, and it did something in him. Theodore was just always wired in such a way that uh, he, he was pretty competitive, but he was also very uh, intentional about a lot of things in his life. And so he just committed himself to uh, physical fitness and physical exercise. And, uh, so he would, uh, uh, do, he would do weightlifting and rowing and hiking and running and just anything that he could do that was strenuous, just mm. trying to keep himself in shape. And so he did that his whole life, uh, was just an outdoorsman, uh, rode horseback, worked on ranches when he was younger, uh, went on safaris when he was older. But, uh, the interesting thing was that he was so frail. First, he couldn't even go to school 
because he'd have an asthmatic attack and they were concerned about him, you know, something happening if he was at school. Or, and so he had to be schooled at home in the early days. And so certainly not the kind of person that you would think, uh, wow, this guy's going to be a great president one day of the United States. He was considered way too frail, hmm. uh, kind of just wanted to be with his dad as much as possible. His eyesight wasn't that great either. Uh, and so he uh, uh, ultimately wore glasses, which helped some. But in some of the sports, uh, you know, he even just uh, in things like shooting, uh, that you had to kind of be able to see in a distance. He, he wasn't as good, if he, especially if he couldn't wear his glasses or maybe certain sports. So uh, his voice wasn't that great either. Hmm. Uh, in fact, he kind of had this, uh, it, it, in some ways, an irritating kind of voice. And uh, he, he sort of compensated with that. Uh, he, he, um, he, he developed his own kind of way of talking, which I think was his way of trying to minimize just how awkward it sounded. Uh, <laughs> but again, you, you know, people that rated him perhaps in the top five American presidents, and yet he's frail, sickly, uh, can't go to school with other kids as a child. Um, he can't see well. Like you just, if you looked at him as a, a, a young boy, you'd think this poor child is just going to have a hard time of it. Uh, he, uh, when he was, uh, still a boy, uh, one day he came across, uh, two other boys who were bigger than him and older than him. And they decided to pick on him. And, uh, Theodore, one thing that he always did have was courage. Uh, and so he, he tried to stand his ground against two boys that had a lot of extra pounds and height on him. It's two to one. And they basically had their way with him. They, they humiliated him, even though he's doing the best he can to fight back. He, he just, he couldn't, he was completely outmatched and Mm. outnumbered, but it humiliated him. And so he, uh, went to his dad after that and said, basically, dad, would you enroll me in boxing lessons? And he just determined, as he often did, that this would never happen to him again. He would never again be in a place where people could bully him, push him around. And, uh, and so even as an adult, I mean, in college, he was on the boxing team and, uh, he went to Harvard ultimately and did overcome his asthma. But uh, even as a, even as the American president, he would have people he would you know, have some bouts of boxing with just to stay in shape and exercise. And uh, it seemed as if, in in some ways, he 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 spent his whole life trying to prove that he was a real man, that uh, he that people couldn't bully him. And so it's it's just interesting. Here's a frail child that is easily bullied. Uh, and so he just determines people aren't going to push me around anymore Hmm. and uh, I'm going to be tough and, uh, people are going to respect me. And, uh, and so of course he's the one that, uh, comes up with the political motto, walk softly, but carry a big stick. (laughs) Yeah. He's the one that, uh, when he is the undersecretary of the Navy, uh, determines that he's going to build the strongest Navy, at least next to England's so that the world takes the uh, United States seriously and doesn't try to push them around. Uh, and so and much of his um, political uh, leadership later, it's going to, in many ways, you think it's his own personal story. No one's going to push us around. People are going to respect America, uh, and we're going to be tough, and we're going we're to have uh, a good army and a good navy. 
So Richard, you do other things besides this podcast. <laughs> when when you give me time, when you let me off. <laughs> surprise, surprise. One of those things is a quarterly devotional uh, conference call uh, in partnership with Workforce Ministries. The next one coming up is October 9th, and it's at 7.30 a.m. till 8.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Can you tell us a little bit about what to expect? Yeah, those are fun. Uh, it's a live uh, call that you call in, uh, and people are calling in from all over the country. I'll, I'll do a devotional live on the phone with uh, folks on something to do with the marketplace, how to be working with God or seeing God at work in your workplace or something related to that. Yeah. And people can also submit questions that uh, I'll address. And then I always take some time. You can also submit prayer requests. And so before at the close, I'll pray for those requests and uh, then we'll be on our way to work. But uh, it's at a time where people can call in. I've got people calling in from Phoenix and California and all the way across the East Coast. Um, and it's just kind of a great way to start a day once a quarter where you just get an extended devotional thought. You maybe have a question answered that you really wanted me to address personally on, on that setting. And then uh, you get prayed over. And so a great way just to join a bunch of other believers across the country to start your day before you go to the workplace. That's great. And we're going to leave all the information, the call-in number, the access code, all that will be found in the show notes. The, the interesting, the interesting thing with... Uh, Roosevelt was that he um, he really admired his father, and his father had said to him early on, uh, "Son, you." At one point, his, his father had said, "Son, you, your your mind is good. You you want to do the right thing, but you need a body that can enable you to do it." And and that really sat with Theodore, and he decided, "I've, I've got to train my body. I've got to I've got to toughen up my." body because my mind wants to do all these great things, but I can't do it as a weakling. So hmm. he, um, he loved and admired his father. Uh, and, uh, but so his father like died really, early, you know, he really internalized that. Yeah. And mantra. then the, the problem is, and his father would tell him that he was a good boy. And, uh, and so his, his Theodore developed a lot of, um, high morals. Uh, he was a very moral person, uh, a very religious person, a church going person. He never. He didn't imbibe in alcohol and and certain things like that. He was, uh, uh, as best we can tell, very faithful to his uh, his wife and so on. But uh, he, um, because his he admired his father and and uh, one of, one of the things that uh, Theodore really tried to do was to live with integrity. And for him, integrity meant living in such a way that you wouldn't mind all your story being made public, hmm. and especially your father knowing about it. His, his integrity basically was, I, I need to live in such a way that if my dad heard the news of what I'd done, he wouldn't be ashamed of me. He wouldn't be disappointed mm-hmm. in me. Uh, the sad thing is that uh, Theodore's father dies while he's still quite young. And two things about his father that are kind of interesting. He's very influ- the, the most influential person in his life, definitely. But two things about it. One is that uh, Theodore's father married a, a woman from Georgia. And uh, so you've got a guy from New York marrying somebody from the South. Well, then the Civil War broke out. And his wife had all kinds of relatives fighting for the Confederacy. Hmm. And so she basically pled with her husband and her sons, who were, some of them were fighting age, not to serve in the Northern Army because she just couldn't bear the thought of her son shooting at their uncles and cousins on the south southern side. 
And so they, they did what they could to sort of support the war effort, but they didn't, they didn't sign up themselves. And again, when that was, and, and part of that was his father was a peaceable man and, uh, he was for the North, but, uh, he wanted to respect his wife and keep good relations with the relatives. Yeah. But, um, but Theodore, who could have joined the army as a young man, always uh, kind of felt the shame of that. Hmm. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was putting out calls for northern boys to join the army, and he hadn't signed up. And uh, interestingly, uh, Theodore had a couple of uh, uncles who fought in the south. And at one point, they actually took a ship and went on a marauding mission trying to sink northern ships and uh, they apparently they sank or, and looted about 60 or more until they were finally cornered by uh, a northern ship uh, in uh, I think the English Channel and were finally sunk and they escaped and it, quite quite heroic uh, amazing stories that they would tell later and so Theodore would hear these stories of these heroic southern fighters and soldiers that were his relatives. And then he was kind of embarrassed that his father and brothers all just sat on the sidelines. Hmm. And so Theodore just determined that 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 was one, if he were to critique his father, he would have said one of the critiques was, well, he just, he was sort of a peaceable man that didn't jump into the biggest conflict that the nation had ever experienced. And uh, Theodore just sort of made a resolve that, uh, boy, he wouldn't, sit out any more conflicts. <laughs> right. So when the uh, Cuban War breaks out and uh, they're putting in a call for uh, volunteers, uh, Roosevelt by this time actually is working in Washington. He's uh, the undersecretary of the Navy, but he actually quits his job in the Navy and goes and joins the Army because he desperately wants to make sure that for the family honor, He's yeah. on the front line. He doesn't want to be in a support role. I mean, here he is basically in the, the, the at that time, what would have been like the Pentagon in a sense. Uh, but he doesn't want to be in an office job when there's bullets flying somewhere else. And so he, of course, joins what became known as the Rough Riders. And uh, he becomes a colonel. And, he, and as they're charging up San Juan Hill in Cuba, uh, he is just anxious. I mean, just beside himself to make sure he doesn't miss out on the hottest part of the action. And, and he's actually riding a horse up the hill, which of course makes you much more exposed, a bit right. easier target. Uh, and he is at the front. In fact, he charges up so fast. There's, there's times he's coming upon, uh, out, uh, you know, uh, gun emplacements and things w- without any men with them. They're still lagging behind cause they're having to go up by foot. At one point he came across some of the soldiers who were hiding uh, afraid of the gunfire, and, and he just shouted at them. He said, I'm sitting on a horse, he said, and I'm not afraid. What, what are you guys doing hiding? Get up and, and let's charge. And uh, so he was just determined that, uh, that he would not, that he would prove himself in battle. Right. And that he would prove that he was not a coward, even though his relatives had set out the Civil War. Mm. And so you, you just see this certain drive in Roosevelt where. He's, he's, it's like he's got something to prove his whole right, life. Right. And because his dad dies early, he, he can't ever, he never get, gets to hear his dad say, well, son, you, you grew up to be quite a man. You know, he, mm. he, it's like he, his dad will never know. And so it's like, I, no matter what I do, I can never prove to the one person that really mattered to me that I was a, 
I wasn't a coward and I, I, I was a brave person. And so he, um, his whole life, he's in one sense, you know, you, you, you feel like, well, this guy's kind of flawed in a sense because he's got these, th- this need to prove himself. Uh, but you know, the interesting thing is that with a lot of these people who do accomplish a lot, uh, if, if they can channel that insecurity, those needs into something positive, yeah, then they actually can accomplish a lot. And the other thing with his father was his father at one point was, uh, nominated for, uh, a, a, a political position. He was a respected person. He had, people liked him, but it, he fell into kind of a political quagmire where there were two camps and it had really nothing to do with Theodore's father. It just had to do with two sides and who was going to get their way. And so it came to a vote of the Senate and the Senate uh, did not approve Theodore Roosevelt's father for the job. Well, of course, people were against him, were pointing out things critical and trying to smear him. And and for a sensitive man, it was just too much to endure. And Theodore's father took sick, ultimately, just wore him down and hmm. demoralized him. And ultimately, he died and died as a young man. And Theodore always felt that it was that politics was an ugly game. And that people could had basically politics had worn down his father. And if there was a, a reason for it, it was his father was too genteel, too civilized, uh, yeah. and not enough of a fighter. It, it, if he were to critique his father, he would have said, "Well, he just was too nice." Uh, and so uh, Theodore decided, <laughs> if "I'm going to be in politics. <laughs> not going to uh, be that nice. I, I'm going to be tough, and people won't push me around." Uh, I'll be as tough as nails if I have to be. And of course that, that did him well for the, for the most part. And, uh, and he helped make, uh, America tough in their Navy and their army. Uh, and he gave a lot of pride. Uh, he was one of the last, in fact, the subtitle of uh, this biography is the last romantic. He, he romanticized America much like, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan would do in the eighties. He, he held up America as not just a, a sort of uncivilized outpost out in the colonies, but uh, as a, a major power in the world and to, something to be proud of. And in fact, at one point, uh, he, when he builds a big navy, he actually, in his last year as president, sails the navy around the entire world as the and 16 battleships, uh, just this massive armada that goes around the world, just letting the whole world know. Uh, America is now a superpower, and yeah. and at the time they were they, interestingly they were already concerned about Japan and the domination they had in Asia, and so the 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 battleships all dock in Japan at one point to let Japan know what the Americans have. Of course, in another generation the Japanese will come and sink a whole bunch of America's battleships at yeah. Pearl Harbor, but uh, or even back in his day uh, in the 1800s. Uh, Roosevelt already is, can tell that Japan's going to be, um, they're going to have conflict at some point. And so he's letting them know now, we just want to show you what we've got and don't, you better be careful about how you push us around. So hmm. interestingly, Roosevelt is one of those guys who, you don't have to look very far to see real flaws that he has. Yeah. And yet he's able to turn a lot of that into, uh, positives and, you know, yeah, it we, sounds like he can really channel that into the right yeah. direction. And he, you know, uh, and we've talked a lot about this, just the power of, of ambition. 
you know, he's ambitious. He wants to prove some things. Yeah. But ambition can be channeled so that you accomplish great things. And he does accomplish a lot. He he also takes on the Panama Canal, and which becomes a huge lasting uh, part of his legacy. Uh, it was an enormous, enormous undertaking, which, uh, and, and only someone of his perseverance and tenacity and just stubbornness could probably have ever pulled that one off. And so he, he, he tackles several major, major problems that America faces. He, he served in the, the Cuban war with the Rough Riders, uh, not, you know, a huge worldwide conflict. Um, but then he doesn't really have to deal with a lot of major conflicts again until really World War One, which by then he's not the president. But, um, but he, he deals with other problems. And that's one thing about uh, Roosevelt, I think, that makes him a great president is he never shies away from tackling problems. And, yeah, and, you know, we've talked about other presidents that preceded great presidents. I think yeah. of uh, who was the one that came before Lincoln? So you uh, don't Buchanan. Even know. Buchanan. Yeah. Uh, maybe they presided over a peacetime. And was there, there weren't any really major uh, battles during his presidency. Is that right? Right. Well, while he was president, there wasn't. Okay. They, there were some financial crises yeah. and other crises, you know, that he... He tackled and, and but that's it's just a, interesting that he, you know, he serves in a peacetime, and I feel like a lot of the presidents that serve in peacetime sort of get overlooked because there's yeah. not there doesn't seem to ever really be a big crisis that they right they and, have and, to and, and rise so, to the occasion. And so he, you know, in some ways Roosevelt's kind of like a Churchill, like he's just he's looking uh, for something worthy uh, to tackle, to something big, a problem to take undertake, and so. You know, so he does address a number of issues uh, in America at the time. Uh, interestingly, he, he never quite knew what to do about the race problem. Hmm. He was not a racist, but he, he had a lot of the traditional sort of stereotypes. And he, he, he didn't, there were some issues he just didn't know how to get his handle, you know, his hands around. He, he, but, but when he did see a problem, he kind of jumped on his horse and he charged in uh, and, uh and some of that meant that he could be a little clumsy in, in what he did, but um, but he didn't sidestep things. And uh, it's kind of interesting because Roosevelt also just, and, and a lot of great people have some luck. You know, like, for instance, charging, I've been to San Juan Hill in Cuba. And, I, um, and if you're sitting on a horse charging up a hill and you've got people in gun emplacements at the top shooting down at you. It's pretty hard to miss. It's Yeah, <laughs> and he's a, he was not a small man then. He... Uh, it's, it's like George Washington. He should have been killed a number of times, but it's almost like fate somehow just kept him around. And so uh, there's a certain amount of luck involved in becoming a great, famous person. Uh, he could easily have been killed. Uh, and then uh, he is actually vice president under McKinley. And uh, and even that, he was uh, he was such a bull in a, in a china shop in some <laughs> ways that he had, he had some enemies. There, there were people that thought he was an overachiever, you know, he was at one point, he was in charge of like the chief of police in New York. And so he would, uh, he'd actually walk the streets at night in disguise. And he'd find policemen that were on duty that were taking naps. And he, I mean, he would like, he'd be checking up on you and he was cleaning up corruption. And, uh, and a lot of guys just didn't have the courage to do that. But he would, he'd, he would tackle the hard problems and he always took his jobs very seriously. And whatever he led, he turned around and straightened up and made better, or at least he thought he was. 
Um, and so he, uh, so interesting. He, you know, he, he he's vice president under McKinley, and McKinley's a very different leader than Roosevelt. McKinley's much more uh, sort of diplomatic and um, and genteel and, uh, and 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 good with people. Uh, and 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 Roosevelt, in his own sort of brash way, sort of feels like, well, McKinley's just he needs to be more direct and get more things done, and he's he's not addressing some things that ought to be tackled. But and then all of a sudden, McKinley is assassinated, and Roosevelt suddenly becomes the president. There there were some people, in fact, even McKinley's uh, chief of uh, of 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 his party and and his uh, campaigns and his political advisor. At one point, uh, his name was Hannah. He he actually said, "Do you realize there's just one life between uh, uh, the presidency and that madman?" And he and he's talking about Roosevelt because <laughs> uh, he was just such a overachiever, attention seeker. Uh, Roosevelt loved uh, the limelight, but uh, then sure enough, uh, McKinley is assassinated, and all of a sudden Roosevelt is the president. Um, and 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 so there's certain fortune there. You know, you're not sure if he would have won election as president uh, if if uh, McKinley had just served out his term. Mm-hmm. But he kind of gets in the back door and has time to kind of show his stuff and uh, become popular among the people. And so, you know, there's several people that you think, well, if it had it not been for an assassination, uh, yeah, would he have? And 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 later, I think Roosevelt Roosevelt was never big on self reflection. He he tended he tended to see things in black and white terms, uh, and he was usually the white person, and the <laughs> and whoever was opposing him was the evil dark person. Uh, but uh, Roosevelt, I think, may have ultimately kind of realized, well, McKinley actually got a lot done. He just didn't act like th- a bull, right? Yeah, you know, he used diplomacy, different but tactics. He, he sort of got what he wanted, and. He did become president on his own, and uh, and th- maybe there's more than one way to lead. But uh, but that was you know one of Roosevelt's probably greatest weaknesses was he saw everything in terms of black and white. You're for me, you're against me. There were not a lot of gray areas mm. in uh, in his perspective, and so that that also meant that um, you know in terms of things that he failed at, he. Uh, he lost some people who would have been his supporters, who should have been his supporters, but uh, he would often uh, castigate people. If they disagreed with him, it was because they just didn't have character, or they had evil motives, or hmm. they, you know, they had problems. And instead of just recognizing, well, maybe there's more than one way to look at this. Maybe they actually want what's best for me, and they're just cautioning me about some things that could lead to disaster. Uh, he tended to just assume that if you didn't agree with him that you must have sinister motives and be a bad person and mm. he was always the righteous person right uh and maybe this last two things just to say about that uh he also uh of course he he was reelected uh so he did win and his an election to be president the second time and so he basically had served out two terms most of a, the first term and then all of the second term and he had at one point declared that uh, he that there was some wisdom and just it's sort of an unwritten rule that you just serve two terms as president then because George Washington had set that precedent Washington certainly could have run a third time and been elected but he thought that was enough and so most people had followed that example the few people who ever tried uh, to beat it like uh, General Grant tried to run for a third term later 
uh, and lost. And so Roosevelt, uh, he just said it's just better to step aside. And so uh, Taft, his uh, chief lieutenant, is elected in his place. Uh, but Roosevelt had grown just to love the limelight. He loved being able to pontificate and have an audience listen to him talk mm. about what mattered. He, he loved being able to fix things and make them better. And he just was not designed to be on the sidelines. And uh, he tried for a while. He actually went on a long uh, safari in Africa. He went on a, you know, he, he did what he could to try to get out of the country and get out of the way. But he just couldn't help it. And people would come <laughs> to him. And Taft was a much different kind of leader. He was a good man, but he was uh, not the person that just sort of captivated everybody and uh and, and and so people began to compare, like they often do, and people began to tell Roosevelt, well, we really need a leader like you in such a time. And and he enjoyed hearing that. And yeah, it doesn't take much so to Ultimately, after one term of uh, Taft as president, he came back, Roosevelt did, and decided to run against him uh, as, for, the, for the Republican nomination. And, uh, and it was deeply, deeply hurtful to Taft. Uh, Taft was trying to do the right thing. Taft had tried to reach out to Roosevelt and seek his guidance and support and uh, was not uh, trying to handle Roosevelt to the best he could and yet still prove that he was his own man and not just a puppet of Roosevelt's. Uh, but Roosevelt runs against him in the primaries uh, and uh, and ultimately loses to him, not so much because he wasn't more popular, but because the Republican uh, machinery was set up so that the powers of the Republican Party ultimately would decide, and they just they were they finally had Roosevelt out. And as much as he was popular, they he was also a loose cannon, and they were ready to stick with the guy who was president. And so Roosevelt should have just let that be enough for him. But uh, then people approached him with the Progressive Party and said, "Well, uh, why don't you run as an independent then? Run uh, for the Progressive Party." And so he he does, and that of course was a huge uh, mistake, really, because what happened is he just basically divided the Republican vote. Now there were basically all the Republicans had two different candidates, and so he actually ends up getting more votes in the election than Taft does. He he hmm. garners more votes, but uh, but uh, Wilson uh, actually gets more votes than than Taft or Roosevelt. And becomes the president. And, of course, if, if Roosevelt had not run, if, if all those Dem Republican votes had just gone to one person, then they would have won. The Republicans had more votes, but they divided theirs in two. And so Roosevelt, or, so Wilson ends up becoming the president. And one of the great errors, I think, of Roosevelt was he just didn't know when, when to, to, stop. to stop and when his time was done. And the, the allure of the limelight and all the prestige and all the reporters wanting to know his opinions uh, it, were very seductive to him. And although he always spoke in terms of righteousness, you know, and I'm just doing what's best for the country, sometimes it was hard not to think, well, but it also seemed like it's best for you. Yeah. And, uh, so the seduction for leaders sometimes um, of just knowing you start to identify your success with uh, your organization success, your uh, your company success, right? And you start to justify things, and the the hardest thing for people. He he's to this day rated perhaps the top five presidents, oftentimes rated in number four, number five spot. But uh, 
perhaps might have had an, even a greater legacy had he just known when his time was done and and a time to be an elder statesman that supported the younger guys um, instead of the need to still be in charge. Well, you know, I think that's a that's a great lesson for all of us to learn is is know when to to step down and and just provide support to that next generation coming up. And, and I know you talk a lot about that, and we've mentioned that on here as well. And, uh, you know, uh, Roosevelt's a really interesting guy. He is. And uh, I hope we uh, hear from our listeners any questions that you have about him later on. We'd love to answer those. And um, thanks for sharing with us about uh, Roosevelt today. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.